Well, good morning, and welcome to Bankery Christian Fellowship Church. It's lovely to have you with us this morning. And uh, if you're visiting with us, my name is Duncan. I have the, the privilege of serving as pastor here. I want to extend an especially warm welcome to you. Um, if this isn't the place you would usually be at 11 o'clock on a Sunday morning, you're most welcome here. And uh, we trust that you will be able to join with us in worshiping the living God. Now, we're going to come to our Bible reading today, which is... Um, We've been looking at the book of Daniel in our family services, and there's lots of exciting stories in the book of Daniel, and this is one that leaves you hanging on the edge of your seat until the last minute when things come right. If you were with us last month, we saw that God's nation, Israel, had been defeated by the strongest kingdom in the world, the Babylonian Empire, and... Daniel and some of his friends were shipped out of his home, homeland and taken to his new home in Babylon. And because these were, were smart guys, they were put into the school for wise men. They were going to go through training to become wise men who would serve the king. And we saw that they did this and that actually they were wiser than all of the others in the class. But most amazingly, they did this without following the gods of the Babylonians, but by being true to the true and living God. So today's story is quite a long one, so we're going to hear it in three parts. And Julia is going to come and read the first part of our story to us, which you'll find in Daniel chapter 2. And um, if you got a… Come on up, Julia. I won't, I won't rabbit on any longer. <laughs> if you've got, you got a church diary on the way in, um, you should also have been able to get a copy of Daniel chapter 2 there, but Julia's going to read it for us. Thank you. Right. Good morning, everybody. Um, so the first reading is taken from Daniel chapter 2, verses 1 to 16. In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His spirit was troubled and his sleep left him. Then the king commanded that the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans be summoned to tell the king his dreams. So they came in and stood before the king. And the king said to them, I had a dream, and my spirit is troubled to know the dream. Then the Chaldeans said to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will show the interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, The word from me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream, and its interpretation. You shall be torn limb from limb, and your houses shall be laid in ruins. But if you show the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore show me the dream and its interpretation. They answered a second time and said, let the king tell his servants the dream, and we will show its interpretation. The king answered and said, I know with certainty that you are trying to gain time because you see that the word from me is firm. If you do not make the dream known to me, there is but one sentence for you. You have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the times change. Therefore tell me the dream and I shall know that you can show me its interpretation. The Chaldeans answered the king and said, there is not a man on earth who can meet the king's demand. For no great and powerful king has asked such a tiny, 
that such a thing of any magician or enchanter of, or Chaldean. The thing that the king asked is difficult, and no one can show it to the king except the gods, who dw whose dwelling is not with flesh. Because of this, the king was angry and very furious and commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be destroyed. So the decree went out and the wise men were about to be killed and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. Then Daniel replied with prudence and discretion to, uh, to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He declared to Arioch, the king's captain, why is the decree of the king so urgent? Then Arioch made the matter known to Daniel, and Daniel went in and requested the king to appoint him a time that he might show the interpretation to the king. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Julia. Well, this, this, this part of the story tells us it's really important to know where to go to find information. Uh, my family were out for a walk yesterday, and we were very briefly talking about owls. Now, if I wanted to learn more about owls, where would I go to find that information? Where would I go? Well, okay, I'll tell you. Okay, thank you so much. Where would I go? Can some, the, the, the masks are making life really difficult for me. Sorry. Go to a place that has owls and ask the people about owls. Makes perfect sense, doesn't it? I wouldn't go, I wouldn't go to a cookbook to find out about owls, unless I'd caught one. I couldn't even be sure by looking on the internet, could I? See, I know that I don't go to cookbooks to find out about animals. If I'm at school or at university and I'm writing an essay, I don't go to Wikipedia for my information. The reason is because we don't know where it's come from. We don't know how reliable it is. Well, something like that happens in this part of the story. We see at the start a king asleep in his bed, and he has a dream. Now, we all have dreams, don't we? But this dream was different. It really shook him up, and he couldn't get back to sleep. He was disturbed by what he dreamed about. Now, the king had lots of people who served him. And he had some, some people serving him that our queen doesn't have, as far as I know anyway. He had sorcerers, magicians, and enchanters. And these were the guys who the king went to when he needed some, someone to interpret the future for him, and especially to interpret these dreams, which they believed was where the future was sometimes revealed. But the king he had something niggling at him in the back of his mind. He wasn't sure if these enchanters and magicians and sorcerers, if they were reliable. Where are they getting their information from, he was wondering. So he called them in and he said, I've had a dream and it troubles me. And they said, oh, king, tell me, tell me the dream and we'll tell you what it means. And he said, nah, nah. If you guys really are able to get this information, then you'll be able to tell me what the dream was first, and then I'll know, then I'll know that I can trust you. Well, hmm. In fact, he said more, didn't he? Did you notice he said, 
if you don't tell me what the dream was, I'm going to tear off your arms and legs and knock down your houses. This is what happened to King Nebuchadnezzar when he didn't get a night's sleep, you see. Some of you can relate to that, I think. So it was a disaster for the sorcerers, the enchanters. He sets them the impossible challenge, and they are devastated. I don't know if you noticed this. This is in verse 11. Here's what they say to him. The thing that the king asks is difficult, and no one can show it to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. What that means is the gods that we believe in, they don't don't dwell with us. We've not got access to them. They're not going to be able to tell us. And it confirms what the king suspected, doesn't it? These guys had no special link to their gods. When it comes to understanding the world, and especially understanding the future of the world, this teaches us that false religion, false gods, they're silent. They can't go to their gods. They're too far away. They're not interested in what goes on down here. And that's the same for all false gods. The false gods of atheism, the false gods of money, the false gods of getting our own way all the time. These are things that we think have all the answers, but really, they're empty. Well, the king, he decides to get rid of his wise men. And this includes Daniel and his friends. But Daniel, he doesn't worship those Babylonian gods. He worships the true God. And where Julia left that reading for us in verse 16, he goes in, he requests an appointment with the king to tell him the dream and the interpretation. Why is he so confident? Doogie's going to come and read the next part of the story for us. Good morning. Then Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, and told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give you thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and might, and have now made known to me what we asked of you, for you have made known to us the king's matter. Therefore Daniel went into Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus to him, Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king, and I will show the king the interpretation. Then Arioch brought in Daniel before the king in haste and said thus to him, I have found among the exiles from Judah a man who will make known to the king the interpretation. The king declared to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, Are you able to make known to me the dream that I have seen and its interpretation? Daniel answered the king and said, 
No wise men, enchanters, magicians, or astrologers can show to the king the mystery that the king has asked. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dream and the visions of your head as you lay in bed are these. To you, O king, as you lay in bed, came thoughts of what would be after this, and he who reveals mysteries made known to you what is to be. But as for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because of any wisdom that I have more than all the living, but in order that the interpretation may be made known to the king and that you may know the thoughts of your mind. You saw, O king, and behold, a great image. This image, mighty and of exceeding brightness, stood before you, and its appearance was frightening. The head of this image was of fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its middle and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. As you looked, a stone was cut out by no human hand, and it struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold all together were broken in pieces and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors, and the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them could be found. But the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. Thank you, Doogie. So Daniel was so confident that he could tell the king about the dream not because Daniel thought he was smart, and did you notice a couple of times he says that, He's, it's not because he was smart, but because he trusts in the true God who speaks. The false gods are silent, but the true God speaks. Straight away, he heads home, he tells his friends, now look, I've booked us an appointment with the king, we better pray that we get the interpretation of this dream. They pray. What a change this is, isn't it? Those wise men in Babylon who couldn't reach their gods, but Daniel and his friends, they can reach their God. They pray to him. They seek mercy from God, is how it's put in verse 18. They ask God to help them, to rescue them. And it's not just that they could speak to God, but more importantly, that God spoke to Daniel. And he revealed the dream. Now, I don't know about you, but if you knew that any minute someone was going to come in and maybe tear off all your arms and legs, and you had finally got the piece of information that would prevent that from happening, I would run straight out the door. I would find this guy, Ariok, and I would say, stop, stop, I've got it, I've got it. That's not what Daniel does. He takes time to worship God. Oh my, he's got his priorities clear in his mind. I would have been out the door. But instead, he worships God. And we see what that worship is. Worship is telling God, speaking to God about what God is like. So listen to what he says. To God belongs wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness. What is it that Daniel understands about God? He understands that God is in control of everything. He understands that God 
speaks, God reveals things. And this is wonderful news. Because unless God speaks to us, we wouldn't know, we wouldn't know about Him. Now, God has spoken to us by creating the world around us. We thought about this already, actually. God speaks to us in providing the seasons, in providing harvest that year after year. And it, it, what we see in these things is that there is a creator. And we're going to be thinking about that a little bit tonight, six o'clock. But God reveals even more about himself by giving us his word, by speaking to us, by giving us the Bible there he's revealed what he's like and what it means for us to be his creatures. There he's revealed his plan for the world. And the dream that King Nebuchadnezzar had is key to understanding that as well. The message that runs right through this story is that God is in control of everything. He has revealed something to King Nebuchadnezzar to teach him and now to teach us that there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. That's verse 28. There is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. And it's more than just being able to tell us what's going to happen. God can reveal mysteries because God is in control of everything. God can reveal the future because He plans the future. And I want to say something really quick. There's lots about the future that we don't see, lots of things that would scare us, surely, But Daniel here prays to the God whom he knows that this God sees what is in the darkness. God who sees what is in the darkness. It's a huge comfort to everyone who trusts in Jesus that we are trusting the God who knows what is in the darkness. Whatever the most scary thing that you fear might be lurking in the darkness, God sees it, God knows about it, God is in control of it, and that's why we trust him with it. Now, I hope you were paying attention to the description of the dream. We'd been waiting so long to hear about the dream. Finally, it came. And Nebuchadnezzar saw this dream, and it was an image of a big statue. And I want to make this as memorable as possible for you. So, if you are under the age of 12, I need your help at this point. Scattered round the room are some body parts And just to be clear, we're looking for um, a head, a chest and arms, uh, a middle and thighs. We're looking for two legs and two feet. So go and have a look. And if you need some, some help on where to look, come and ask me. I'll give you some pointers. And bring them up to the table here and we'll build this thing. Good looking, good looking. Right, and one leg to come. Thank you very much. So, here's the real test. Can we remember what all these things were made of? So, legs, we need to start with the legs just for uh, construction purposes. The legs were made of iron, legs made of iron. Thighs and belly were made of red crepe paper, no? Yeah, bronze, these were made of bronze. Uh, The chest and the arms, silver, 
and there was a head. Hang on, hang on, hang on. A head of gold and the feet. You remember? Yeah. Clay and iron. Right. <sighs> Why did this dream bother King Nebuchadnezzar so much? Well, because it wasn't just about the statue. Before we bring this dream to its natural conclusion, I want to read the end of the story. Because Daniel says, this is what you dreamed about, and here's what it means. Now we will tell the king its interpretation. You, O king, the king of kings, to whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power and the might and the glory, and into whose hand he has given wherever they dwell, the children of man, the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, making you rule over them all. You are the head of gold, he says to King Nebuchadnezzar. Another kingdom inferior to you shall arise after you, yet a third kingdom of bronze which shall rule over the earth, and there shall be a fourth kingdom as strong as iron. And I'm going to jump down a few verses. He speaks about these feet of clay, and he says, and in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever. Just as you saw that a stone was cut from a mountain by no human hand, and that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold, a great God has made known to the king what shall be after this. The dream is certain, and its interpretation sure. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face, paid homage to Daniel, and commanded that an offering and incense be offered up to him. The king answered and said to Daniel, truly your God is God of gods and Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal this mystery. The different parts of the statue represent different kingdoms. The gold head is Nebuchadnezzar, and then we're told that there will be a succession of kingdoms that will rise up after him. And I want you to see these kingdoms become less valuable as you come down, but they become harder. And it doesn't tell us in the interpretation who, who or what these kingdoms are, and I'm not going to go into that at all just now. The message here is these kingdoms will not last forever. They may look strong, they may look powerful, but they will not last. What's going to happen to them? A stone is going to be cut out, something not made by human hands, something from God, and it will strike the statue and it will fall. But the stone is the kingdom of God. It starts small and it will grow into a great mountain that will fill the whole earth. Do I have a volunteer Without telling you what that's to do, do we have a volunteer? This young man is brave. Thanks for coming. Now, 
this, Ben, this is the stone, and I want you to throw the stone at the statue. Do you think you could do that? Anywhere you'd like. I think if you hit him low down, it will get everything over. You ready? Well done. Thanks, my man. Just like that. When Jesus began to preach, the first words that we have recorded that he preached were these words. He said, repent. In other words, turn around. Turn from sinning. Turn back to God because the kingdom of God is near. And this is a perfect picture. A stone that seems so small that seems so weak and insignificant, yet it has the power to tear down kingdoms and to grow into something that will fill the whole earth. This is the perfect picture of Jesus that Nebuchadnezzar sees all these years before. Because Jesus is the one who, though He is God, was born, and as we will remember in a couple of months' time, was born into the manger in Bethlehem. This weak one was the king of kings. He was born into the poorest of families. He had no earthly possessions to call his own. He was not recognized as some important person in his own day. He was weak and insignificant, and he was executed as a criminal on a Roman cross. It does not get more weak and insignificant than that, and yet this is what God has used to tear down the kingdoms of the world and to establish His kingdom right around the whole earth. Through what seemed so weak, God did something that would topple what human beings think is powerful, even the greatest kingdoms in the world. The stone is King Jesus who was raised from the dead and who is now in heaven waiting for the time when He will come and visibly rule the whole earth. His kingdom is the mountain that fills the whole earth, and He calls every one of us to be part of His kingdom. But there's a problem. We're part of another kingdom, a kingdom that is the opposite of the kingdom of God, a kingdom where we live for ourselves, a kingdom where we do the things we feel like doing, where we think we don't need God. And this is what the Bible calls sin. And because we all sin, we can't change kingdoms. We're stuck. But this is what Jesus has come to do. Through His death on the cross, our sins can be forgiven. By trusting Him, we are then released from the kingdom of darkness and brought into the kingdom of light. Nothing much changed about Nebuchadnezzar, by the way. It looks like he worships God in those verses, verses 46 and 47. But it seems that he was very happy just to be told that he was the gold head of that statue and missed the rest. You read on in Daniel and we find that he wasn't a follower of the true God, not yet anyway. But Daniel and his friends, they commit themselves to serve in the Babylonian kingdom, even though they knew that it was one day going to be destroyed, they knew that they had to represent God. They had to live lives that were for the good of the city that they now lived in. You see, being a follower of Jesus is not just sitting back waiting for Jesus to come. 
It's a life that is to be lived and lived for the good of those around us, all the time waiting for Jesus, knowing that we belong to his kingdom. And that even if the world looks scary today, there is a great kingdom coming. Each one of us needs to trust in Jesus. The stone that seems so insignificant, and that's how he's looked at, how he seems to be in our society, insignificant. But the one who will bring the fullness of the kingdom of God and invites you today to be part of that.